we've been talking, and we've called this a heart condition, and we just talked about, you know, from the Bible about keeping the right priorities right in your life. And when you keep the right things right in your life, God will see that the things you need and different things like that will come to pass. Priority is a huge thing in our lives, and that's super important, right? How many times in the Bible did the Bible say things like, if you seek to save your life, you'll lose it, but if you lose your life for my sake and the kingdom, you'll find it or seek first the kingdom of God? His righteousness and all these things would be added to you. Those are all heart issues. You with me? And so we're going to move on today. And if you will, turn to Joshua, the first chapter. God was talking to the children of Israel here, and it was time for them to go up and possess a promise, or the, really a promise, but all the promises that were included in this one promise. In other words... There was a land that they were supposed to possess. God had said, it's yours. And in that land was all that they needed, all that they wanted. They were no longer going to have to collect quail when it came in or manna on a daily basis. And there were wonderful things happening, but they were not in God's perfect will at this time. Even though there were miracles, there were miracles of healing, and you go on and on, they were not really into the thing God had intended for them to possess in their life. And so at this time, God gave them instructions right before they were about to possess the land. And so these are familiar verses to probably a lot of people, but there's a part in here that I think sometimes we overlook, and it's just kept standing out as I was praying uh, for the message and just what God wanted to do this morning. So I'm going to begin reading in Joshua 1 verse 5. It says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Now he's talking to Joshua here and he's explaining that nobody, there's no man, no obstacle, and they're about to face some men, armies, walls, all this different stuff, walled city, and he said, so no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. But the next phrase is the reason why. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. That's a huge statement because that's actually a statement that's written to every one of us who know the Lord. And a lot of times when we hear the phrase, I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. You know, sometimes you can hear some stuff so much, you don't hear it. Or you just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true, just people can be like that. You know, have you ever gone to somebody's house and you walked in and thought, why do they got this pile of stuff, I almost said junk, right there? Nobody's ever done that before? Anybody done that? And it might have been your house that people walked in and saw that, but have you ever noticed once it's there for a while, you don't even notice it. It like disappears. But you see it every day. You just walk in and see it every day, but fresh eyes see it, and they're like, whoa. And then they're like, well, what, what's that? And you're like, oh, that's been there for like six months. I need to deal with that. 
right? And sometimes we can hear something and we hear it enough. We're just like, yeah, he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. But we really let it go by what he's saying. And this is an exact terminology that he used in the New Testament for us as believers. I'll never leave you. That means I'll be with you always. Could you really believe God's with you and be afraid? Well, I guess you could, maybe. Because if you knew God was with you, but wouldn't fight for you, wouldn't back you up, He'd let you down, He wouldn't stand against something when you stand against it, then you technically could go, yeah, I'd be afraid, but if you really believe he never leave you, so that means he's with you, and then he won't forsake you or let you down in a problem time or in a good time, then our whole approach to things would be totally different. If we really believed he won't forsake you, you know what I mean by forsake? Just, oh well, let you go, it's all on you. No, he won't forsake you. He'll help you. He'll work with you. He'll do his part. And he won't leave you. You know, that to me is something that the church as a whole needs to know because we really, I think as a whole, the church doesn't believe God's really with them. Because there's too much talk about come Lord, come be with us. We invite you here today. I don't ever invite him here today. Somebody's like, oh my goodness, don't say that. We need him. You know why you say that? Because you don't believe what he said. I'll be with you always. You are now my temple when you get saved. And I'll never leave. So to ask to come once you're saved is to deny him and not accept his word. You believe your own feelings more than what he told you. Say, talk to these people over here. Because it's a fact. If he won't leave you, then that means he's with you. Right? And if he said, I'm always with you, then he said, I'll never let you down no matter what you face, then you don't need to be afraid. But is there a key to this, you know, always backing you up? Yeah, and he's about to tell them and us forever. And if you look at the things that occurred here, you'll see it in the disciples' lives. You'll see it in Jesus' lives. Anybody who received and had a miracle or saw something, you'll see these principles right here. Notice this. And the times that you see people struggle in the area of getting a miracle, they struggled with these things right here. Even in Jesus' ministry. You know, some people struggled to get miracles even with Jesus when he was on the earth. You just need to read the Bible. It would be okay for you to read the Bible. Remember, one time a guy brought his child to the disciples. So, I mean, if you had the disciples, I mean, you got Peter, you got James, you got John, you got, you got all of them, and they're praying for him, and they can't get the kid healed and delivered. Right? So then we'll turn to Jesus, and he said, I tried to get them to do something. He said, if you could do something, and Jesus said, what do you mean if I can do something? He said, no. Jesus turned the table on him and said, if you can believe, because with God all things are possible, that's the ceiling. 
But the only way you come up to the ceiling is, he said, all things are possible to him who believes. So with God, all things are possible. So now I've got to believe to come up to the all things are possible. And it says that some places people ridiculed Jesus, didn't believe, you know, everything about him, you know, and they disrespected him and dishonored him. And it said Jesus couldn't do a mighty work there. Because of their unbelief, not his ability. His ability has no ceiling. It's all things. If we want to move up there, these are the principles. And so that guy who brought his kid and was having a problem, you know, he's shaking his fist at the disciples because they couldn't. Now he's shaking his fist at the Lord because he turns the table. He said, well, now it's your turn. Let's see what you can do. But that's never how people really approach Jesus and got things in the Bible. And so here Jesus is, and he flips the table on him. He said, no, if you can believe, all things are possible. Then the truth comes out. The dude's struggling. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. In other words, I got fear. I got doubts in my head. Ugh. Right? And so you could see when we read these, these really are choices to be made to walk out and walk in, walk out God's plan, walk in the best he has for you. So notice he said, I'll be with you and I won't let you down. I won't forsake you. I won't leave you in a straight. I'll back you up. So now he's got a promise that if you'll do what I tell you to do, I'll be with you and I'll help you to possess what I've told you is yours and my intention for you. Here's an interesting thing. Is everything that God wants for you to have going to just fall on you automatically? No, but a lot of people say, well, I prayed and it didn't happen. It must not be God's will. No, that's not true. Because these people here in the Bible, their parents never walked in what God had for them, but it was his will. And he said, just like I was with Moses, and he had told Moses, get the people to do it. They said, we can't. We see ourselves like grasshoppers. We're not able. They acted contrary to the next things. And so now God's got another group. And he said, just like I was with him, and I would have done it with him, now I'm with you, and, and I want to do this with you. And just like God was with the last generation, he is with us in this generation. But the issue is not about God, because there's a Godward side and a manward side to every miracle and everything that occurs. And so, and God just designed it that way, whether we like it or not. In other words, he's just not going to save everybody by force, right? Because if he was, you know, you would not have a seat this morning. We'd clear out the seats and just pack everybody in here like sardines in every church or every truth-teaching church would then be full, right? Nobody would ever miss. So you see, free will has a lot to play. Isn't that true? So there are many miracles to be had, but free will has its place. But isn't it interesting how people don't think that way when it comes to God, but it really is that way. And so here are the instructions for possessing and walking in 
what God had for them or you and I. He said the very first thing in verse 6, Be strong and of a good courage, for to this people you shall divide an inheritance, the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. I swore to give it to their fathers, but now they're going to possess it, and you're going to divide it up to them, and everything that's in it, all this land that flows with milk and honey, and just, it's a whole different, better place. He said, it's going to be theirs. And then he goes on in verse 7 and says, only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you to do, not to turn from it from the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper. Notice that you may prosper. Should prosperity equally fall upon all people the same? It's a good question. Because he said, that you may prosper wherever you go. So God said there is prosperity for all of his people, but he said, you got to meet those conditions for it to fall on you. Notice the next verse, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate or ponder in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Is prosperity and good success for everyone? Yes. Will everybody have it? No. Should everybody have it? Yes and no. In other words, everybody should but not everybody should. No, that can't be true. No, everybody should, but not everybody should. But everybody could. Right? In other words, is it for everyone? Yes. Should everyone have it? Yes. But will everyone? No. So should it be for everyone? Yes. Should everyone have it? Yes. But we'll all get it. No. Why? Is it God? Or is there the hinge, the thing that makes it work based on me and you? God will be with you. He'll back you up. But then he said a couple of things that are necessary to have good success. Then the very next verse says in verse 9, Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. That's an interesting word. Don't be dismayed. Don't get discouraged. Yeah, but. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And the context is he's with you and he will back you up. Are you talking like the Lord is backing you up? And with you. So you ready to get into this? Okay. What seems to be a reoccurring thing here? I'm going to tell you. And it's interesting. Because God wants you to possess what he has for you. Somebody said, I don't know what he has for me, but I sure have some dreams about stuff. 
well, you might be surprised that your dreams may match more of how God would like things for you. And you just need to search out the Word instead of listening to people, you know. You with me? Does God want you to succeed? Would He give you instructions for success and not want you to succeed? Is prosperity and succeeding or walking in any provision, whether it's peace of mind, physical healing, peace in the home, is any provision that he wants not for all? No, they're for all. And the issue is then I must possess the land. But here's an interesting phrase that comes up again and again. Verse 6, notice this. Be strong and of a good courage. Good courage. Courage. Verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous. Notice verse 9. Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Why do you need to be strong, not in your own strength, but in the way of the Lord, and really have courage? And notice verse 7, he said, only be strong and very courageous. Notice the next thing, that you may observe to do. Be courageous to act on what God has said. Be courageous to act like what God said is true. Be courageous to do the thing you know. I'll tell you what, they were about to face giants. They were about to face walled cities. They had these obstacles, and the first thing the Lord said, and said it again and again, is be courageous. Be very courageous. Have courage. What is it to be courageous? It literally means don't be deterred by danger or pain. Be brave. Danger's in your face. Pain's in your face. Don't be deterred. Be courageous. These are not my instructions. These are God's instructions. This is how we should approach every problem. Courageous. Why? Because he's with me, and he won't let me down, so he'll be involved. So a real action of faith is courage and being courageous. When I approach a problem, do I approach it like, oh my, what am I going to do? Now, you may be small in yourself, but you're not alone. You're not. And when you face the problem, it's not your, your might and your power, but it's His Spirit with you that you can depend on and you don't have to complain, oh, how come it's not working? You can stand right in the face of a problem and have courage. Now think of all the people who came to Jesus for miracles and they were pretty courageous. Look at Peter, when he first got his miracle, he jumped out of the boat and started walking on the water. And then when he started not 
uh, paying attention to the right thing. He got his eyes on the problem. He lost his courage, and he became afraid, and it said he began to sink. You'll notice people acted like this when they got things in the Bible. You with me? So when he said, be very courageous, he meant be determined and don't be deterred by danger or pain. That's the definition. Be brave. In other words, the reason I'm brave, God's with me, he won't let me down. He's working. He will work because he said it. The further instructions he gives in this is, be careful what you think on. Be careful when you approach something and a problem, what you meditate on, what you're thinking about. Because listen, if you really believe and know how big God is, you can approach a problem and recognize his ability will get us in. He is with us. He won't let us down. They needed a literal, physical wall, not a brick wall like here. You know, when I lived in California, they put mortar all the way around the block. Here, they just do it in the joints. I don't understand that. And you go lean on the brick walls, most of them, they move. I don't need your help, God. I can knock this down. Brick wall in California, I may need a little push, Lord. This was not that. This was a walled city to keep enemies out and protect them inside. And God was the only way they were getting in. He gave them instruction. They had to be of good courage. I mean, to act on what he said would look stupid to most people. What are you guys doing? Walking around a wall. What are you, what are you guys going to do tomorrow? You guys want to go out for a burger? Can't. We're walking around a wall. How about a picnic on the next? We can't. We're walking around a wall. Well, how about Friday? We're walking around a wall. How long are you going to be walking around this wall? Well, about six days. Once we start walking, we won't even be able to talk to you. So say what you're going to say, because then we're done. And we're just going to do it. That would take courage. And I'm, I'm sure that's why the Lord said, uh, watch, make sure the people don't open their mouth because they may talk wrong. Nothing's happening, nothing's happening, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. Lord, we've been doing what you said for three and a half days. You guys notice? I'm just getting dirty feet. How about you? I could use a glass of water right now. Right? So you just keep your mouth shut until I tell you what to say, and then you're all going to shout. Now, how's that going to happen? What's that going to do? Good thing they didn't share their unbelief. And then he warned them, make sure you keep your mind on the solution, not problems. Meditate day and night. Don't let it depart from your mind. Don't let it get out of your mouth. Keep it in your mouth. Say it and act. This is super important because God wants us to enter in, but there is an area of being courageous. Anybody who got a miracle with Jesus, whether it was physical healing, I mean, it takes courage. 
I guarantee you it took courage to multiply the loaves and fish for the disciples to act in front of crowds. Uh, sit down, okay, groups of 50 like here, 50 here, hundreds, hundreds like here, you know, do this, go here. You got all sit down. And it's just the disciples. Jesus personally told them, didn't tell the crowd, go make them sit down or the followers that are all hungry, go make them all sit down in this grassy place. What if there was dew on the ground? Not dog dew, but dew. You know, just regular dew on the ground. I don't want to get my clothes all wet. He said, the only one who gets the miracle is the one who obeys you. But the Lord didn't say, hey, 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 everybody pay attention right now. I'm going to be giving these guys some instructions. Obey them. He didn't do that. He just said, you go tell them and tell them to sit down. And if they don't sit down, don't feed them. That's what he said. Give it to the ones who are sitting down. Could you imagine they're out there telling the people, sit down, do this, do this. And now they've got to take this broken up bread. It's not multiplying yet. And then they're going to bring a clump. You've got to be bold. You've got to be courageous to be acting on God's word because you haven't seen a change yet. Hey, you guys, I just want to tell you what the Lord's doing. You guys are all going to eat right now. And here's a little piece of bread. It hasn't multiplied yet. But I guarantee you this, they got emboldened as they went forward. Because the minute they broke it, it went whoop, bigger, bigger. They're probably thinking, you know, their shoulders were probably back after a little while. <laughs> we got to, here. And they start breaking it, watch this. And then they're like, hey, it's working. But it took courage for them to do that. Lord, could we break one right now just to give it a little test, see how this works? Just go ahead and break it right there. All right, now, guys, I'll show you how it works. And just, whoa. Oh, that, okay. No, he expected them before it ever started multiplying to do what he told them. Then it started multiplying. That takes courage. Meaning, in other words, regardless of the danger, the pain, they're not detoured. They acted. Notice Mark 5, we'll look at this verse, familiar verse, but I'm not going to go through the whole story because really the miracle here takes place in two verses. Even though most people are familiar with the whole setting here in Mark 5, and you'll see this lady was courageous. She was not deterred. She wasn't driven back by pain or the dangers, you know, that she could face, she could have got stoned to death for what she was doing right here, according to the law. You know, like speeding, you, there's a danger of a ticket. I know how this lady was feeling. Okay, maybe it's not the same. But literally, she's facing something that could have got her killed. It would take courage. And she didn't even have 11 other disciples to do this with her. This is full-blown by herself. Uh, we'll read, um, really what I want to read is just 27 through 29. This woman had a physical issue, and Jesus is there. And we'll pick it up after she hears about Jesus and what he's doing. Notice this, verse 27 when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd, touched his garment, 
For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Notice verse 29. Immediately, the fountain or this flow of blood, the fountain of her blood was dried up. And then she felt in her body that she was healed of that affliction. Notice, you can read the parts before and the parts after, but right here really in two verses is how she got her miracle. And it's really an instruction for every believer or anybody who will receive from the Lord. And you got to think she was courageous. And to be courageous is really a choice. To stand up in the face of something and go, God's with me, he's going to back me. You know, if we were more courageous in our praise and worship, things would change right then. But when people just go, okay, we're going to lift up our voice, we're going to magnify the Lord, you may be feeling like, you know, yesterday's toast. Right? Left out on the counter and a little bit moldy. You know, stale. But you start praising the Lord, and then all of a sudden God's moving in your midst and in your life. But the more courageous we can be and go, it doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter what's going on. I worship you, God, right away. I don't need a feeling or anything. You would find that he is with you, and he won't forsake you, and he'll lay hold right away. You with me? And so here in verse 27, I want to read these again. It says in verse 27, when she heard about Jesus... That's the beginning of everything with God when you hear His Word. A promise, a fact of something that belongs to you. The second thing that happened, and really this miracle is kind of broken apart. And even though it says when she heard about Jesus, she came in the crowd behind Him and touched His garment, really that did not happen, that touching the garment in between hearing and touching the garment, she did, verse 28, the first part, for she said. She heard, then she said. She didn't say this after she touched. Why would you say, for she said, if only I may touch, and the verse before said, after she heard, she went and touched. So you can understand, she heard... And then she said, and then she did exactly what they did in the Bible. And this is where courage takes place. And this is where courage takes place in your life. Where after you said, do your actions align with your belief? And to keep your actions aligned with your belief takes courage. Okay, God, you live in me. You'll witness to me. You'll direct me concerning this. And uh, now I got to act like that. That means when worry comes, I'm going to be courageous. No, you're in me. I'm not going to worry. You won't let me down. You said you would direct my path. You said, your sheep, I'm one of them, hear your voice. That takes courage. Doesn't it? 
And so that courage to act like it's true because God said it is true and it is true is where this miracle happened for her. She said she heard, then she said, then she had corresponding actions to her belief. I have a question for you. Many times uh, people hear promises, but they never become real to them. Uh, For some they do and some don't. They don't experience. Has anybody ever experienced that in their life? You know, really, many people have confessed a promise to be true, but they've never been courageous to act like it's so. And do in line with their belief. And so instead of acting in line, they choose to worry. They choose to ponder. It's never changing. Instead of saying, God's with me, it's changing now. That takes courage in the face of your enemies. Well, what enemies? Those lies. It takes courage. So she heard. Then she said. Then she acted like what she said was so. She said, if I can touch him, I'll be made whole. She didn't just sit there and keep saying, well, if I touch him, if I touch him. She started acting like it's so. Somebody said, well, how can I act like something so if Jesus isn't here to touch him? Or, you know, well, how do I do that? Well, there are ways you could do it. You could say, all right, I got this in my body. I'm going to go down front next Sunday morning, and I'm going to get healed. And then when you go down you start thinking in line with that and declaring in line with that. And here's the thing, believing that you'll get it. But what if it's not something like that? Then your actions are crucial for how you receive. And the truth of the matter is, by our actions we either receive or fail to receive. Peter's actions were not just walking on the water. Peter's actions were what he let himself ponder, meditate on, focus on. If I believe God said it so, then I'm going to fix myself internally and go, that's what he said, and I'm going to start acting as much as I can outward, but inward, I'm going to get postured the way he said it. You with me? I'm not going to be moved by what I feel. God's in me. He's working for me. Just that alone is huge. Why was Jesus able to, in the face of crowds, and this is important, multiply loaves and fish? Somebody said, well, because he was Jesus. No. Yeah, he was Jesus. I'm not denying that. But when they say that, they make it sound like it was God doing that. And it wasn't God. Jesus was God, The Bible said he emptied himself of his Godward abilities and became like a man. That's why he was tempted. That's why he got tired. God never is tempted. God is never tired. Jesus came to show us how to live. So he had to be bold. He had to be of a good courage. And he had to lift up bread in front of a crowd and say, Bless this Lord. And he didn't just say it. He believed what he said. And he postured himself not caring about anybody else. Realizing God's with me. This works. God won't let me down. Here we go. 
So where do we act when we face temptation? Do we surrender to it? Or do we act like we can win? Do we act like God's with us and that he'll help me today? Do we declare, God, I believe you're helping me right now. And then don't allow myself to get so consumed with the temptation or the test or the trial. And I begin to act. That is huge. Miracles happen by people who are doers of the word, not just hearers only. You with me? That's why we need to learn to not worry. Because, you know, in all reality, worry is the opposite of faith. Fear is the opposite of faith. Doubt is the opposite of faith. So I need to resist doubt. I need to refuse fear. I need to keep my worries over on the Lord so I'm not worrying because then I'm actually acting on the word. Then I'm being courageous. Then I'll see the results that I desire. And so what do I need to do? to do this? Well, one thing is, is I need to be courageous. Very courageous. It takes courage. And you notice Jesus or the Bible doesn't say pray about courage. He said, be courageous. He said, if you're going to possess the land, be very courageous. And now this is what you do. But it's fundamental. Courage. Courageous. Not mean to other people, but courageous when you face things. And you know what? If he gave you a command to do it, you can do it. I can do it. When the winds are blowing in your face, you can do it. I can obey. I can act. Declare what you believe. And be courageous and act and watch God work. Amen? You going to do that? Hey, it starts somewhere and it doesn't start where you're sitting, so to speak. It starts when you walk. Right? It's easy. We're all believing God right now. Glory to God. Miracles. Hallelujah. It's all changed. No, it's what are you going to do now? Be courageous. Don't get discouraged. Refuse discouragement. 